Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, hello everybody. Hello. Tonight, I love that response, that's great. The adults don't say hi like that, they just kind of like, just kind of look at you, dead faces, but it's okay. So tonight, uh, we're going to continue our series, Living Hope. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, looking at verses uh, 13 through about, let's see where we get, 19. 13 through 19, all right? First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 19. Tonight we're talking about being holy. What does it mean to be holy? When COVID happened, if you guys remember, especially at the beginning, you know, 2020, it was like March 2020, give or take. Um, I remember seeing it like the governor on the screen saying like, we're all going lockdown. When it first happened, people were very fearful. People were very scared, especially at the beginning. Um, as time went on, they realized, you know, maybe younger people weren't as prone to uh, dying, right, as much as some other people, older people, things like that. But people were very scared at first. Everyone was uh, locking themselves in. Everybody was wearing masks all the time. Uh, and it lasted for a while. School shut down, all that kind of stuff. So everyone was so scared. They stayed home for weeks. They never went out because they didn't want to get sick and die. And just like COVID infected so many people around our world, not just the United States, obviously all across the globe, it changed everything. And it killed a lot of people. In a similar way, in fact, in a much worse way, sin has infected everyone. Sin has infected everyone. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all mess up. And sin has the ability to kill everyone it touches. Sin leads us to spiritual death, being completely separated from God, living in the less like we talked about in our last series. Spiritual, eternal death in a place called hell. And if you have Christ, you have the cure, but you still have sin and struggle, but sin cannot kill you because Jesus died in your place. So COVID, just like COVID spread everywhere on the world, people don't want to get the symptoms of that. How do we avoid the symptoms of sin when it is everywhere around us? Sin is everywhere, everywhere you go. It's even in our own hearts. It's in our own lives. How and why can we be holy people living in a sinful world? How do we do that? Well, let's get into it. Everyone has tried to be holy. Some people go to extremes and leave sinful places. So some people, some Christians would quarantine themselves from the rest of the world and say, this is the way that I'm going to be holy. I'm going to move to this state. I'm going to, uh, a lot of Christians like left California because California lacks Christian values, perhaps uh, compared to other states. They're worried about freedom in other states rather than freedom in Christ in California. I'm not going to jump on that soapbox today, but we need freedom in Christ in California. California needs the gospel. California needs more Christians sharing the gospel because this is like, I think it's the most highly populated state in our country, right? One or two, right? So California needs the gospel. But we shouldn't cut off all ties with non-Christians, right? That's not biblical. How do we be holy, remain holy while living in a sinful world? That's what we're talking about tonight. First Peter chapter 1, starting out in verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter starts out here, we just transitioned from 
about the same passage that we were in last week, talking about suffering, talking about Christ being our living hope. And I was saying, okay, now while you're in the middle of this suffering, remember to do these things. The first thing that he says is prepare for action. To be holy, we have to prepare for action. So when I had worse, you guys might think I have bad knees now playing basketball, but it used to be worse actually. So I used to have this whole routine before a basketball game where uh, I would stretch and like roll out and then I would get like this Voltaren anti-inflammatory cream and then I'd put like the icy hot on and I'd put like the braces on and I was like, okay, now I'm, I'm ready to go. I had to get prepared for action because it was painful to play some sports. We have to prepare for action for certain things in life. It doesn't just come to us naturally. If you want to be on your A game in your spiritual life, it won't just happen. It won't just happen. You have to be intentional about your pursuit of God. You have to be intentional about your own personal relationship with God. It takes activity to do something unique, and it takes passivity to do what everyone else is doing. This is an active faith. If you were to be passive, just wait for things to come to you, just, just wait for that relationship with God to just grow magically on its own, it's probably not going to happen because you're doing the passive thing. And when we are passive, then we're going with the flow of the rest of the world, which is not going towards Christ. And so we have to be active and intentional, have an active faith. So if you want to grow as a man or a woman of God, get active. Get active in praying without ceasing. Get active in reading and understanding and asking questions about the Word of God. Get active in influencing your friends for Christ and doing all things for the glory of God, whether it be your sports or your, or your classes, your relationships, whatever that is for you. Have an active faith because it takes action to pursue holiness. The next thing that he says here is be sober-minded. Thanks, Brianna. Be sober-minded. To be sober-minded means to be, if I was to summarize it, Clear-headed. Sober-minded is clear-headed. So in San Diego, uh, every morning, there's something that you see on the windows and on the ground. What is it? Fog. Mist, right? Mist. So every night, the, the fog or the mist, I don't know, probably comes in from the ocean or, or whatever. So it gets misty. It fogs up your mirrors. I mean, it fogs up your windows. So you got to, like, wipe the window off or whatever. you got to put that windshield wiper on when you drive. And I think sin in darkness does that to your mind. Just like when it gets dark at night, the fog sneaks in and it, and it covers everything. When we have sin and darkness in our life, that fog goes over our brains. That fog goes over our minds. It makes us not able to think clearly. It makes us not sober-minded. Being sober-minded is the opposite of that. So we need the light of the gospel, just like in the morning when the light takes away the mist and evaporates it, the light of the gospel has to come into that dark place in our life and evaporate the fog that has messed up our minds. That's how we're renewed in our minds. The third thing that he says is put your hope in God's grace. So these first two things, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. So we're supposed to do these two things first. Then he says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this is the ungoal. The, the other two are kind of like preparing for this. I'm preparing my mind. I'm clearing my mind so I can focus on God's grace. The source of your holiness is your hope in Christ. Christ is our source of holiness. 
The source of your holiness is looking to him. It's not looking to yourself. It's not looking to yourself and trying to balance the scale and saying, okay, how can I be more? I, want, I just want to be more holy today by letting my good outweigh my bad. And I just want to have my good scale down, my bad scale up. So I have more good than bad in my life. But we're not holy by looking within ourselves. We're holy by looking to Christ, by setting our hope on him. First Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Conduct, For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Why should we be holy? Think about it. Why should I be holy? What does it gain me to be holy? If I'm trying to live a holy lifestyle, I'm not going to be able to do all the fun stuff my friends are doing. Maybe I can't go to certain parties or do certain things. I'm going to live differently than my non-Christian friends. Or maybe I'm going to live differently than some of my friends that claim to follow Christ but don't bear the fruit of holiness in their own lives. What if my friends who say they're Christian, my friends who say they're non-Christian will look down on me for trying to live a holy lifestyle? Why should I be holy? Well, you might say, well, I want to be holy because it's the right thing to do. And being holy is the right thing to do. But that's not really a reason to be holy. That's circular Reasoning is kind of like saying do the right thing because it's the right thing. Why is it right? Why is it right for me to be holy? Should I be holy because the Bible says to? Yes, of course, we want to obey the authority of Scripture, but we want to ask the question, why does the Bible say that we should be holy? What's the reason for it? Verse 16 here, God very clearly says, you shall be holy because I am holy. So that's the point. We should be holy because God is holy. We are holy because God is holy. In the, in the book of Genesis, you guys remember God created people. He didn't create them in his factory or he didn't create them in his Amazon warehouse. The Bible says he created them in his what? Image. image. God created them in his image. They were a reflection of him. They were created to be just like him after his likeness. They were created to look like, to be like, to live like and to love like him. That was our purpose. And the call to sinfulness is a call away from what you were created for. Because you're created for holiness. You're created to look like God, who is holy. You're created to be holy because he is holy, not because it's just the right thing to do. But if you trade sinfulness for holiness, you're trading slavery for royalty. God created you to be royalty. He created us to reflect his kingly image. He said, have dominion over the entire earth. Who has dominion? People in power. Royalty. So God says, you're going to have dominion over the earth. You're reflecting my image. You're spreading my image throughout the entire earth, spreading my kingship. You're going to be little kings and queens under my kingship. You are going to be royalty. But rather than be royalty, Adam and Eve chose to be in slavery because Jesus said, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And so whenever we sin, we're, we're taking our royal crown and we're trading it in for chains. That's what we're doing. We're trading royalty for slavery. But if you do the opposite, you're taking back your identity. 
You can take your back, back your identity in Christ and you can say, I want to be holy because my creator is holy and he made me to reflect his image. Do you bear the fruit of holiness in your life? Maybe you've traded in your crown for chains, but you can trade back your chains for a crown. That's the gospel. Jesus says, who the sun sets free is free indeed. You trade back your chains for a crown because you're created for royalty to exercise God's dominion, to exercise his kingdom, to be a part of his plan in this world. Holy means set apart. Sometimes you guys ever hear people call marriage a holy matrimony? Yeah? So a holy matrimony because the husband and wife are being set apart from their families. It says a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. So they're being set apart, separated from their family. So it is a holy matrimony. We call the Bible the holy scriptures, not because these this piece of paper in and of itself is something that we should bow down to, but this book is above, it's set apart from the writings of man. It is set apart from all of the writings, so that's why we call it the Holy Scriptures. Israel, right here in this chapter in 1 Peter, he's quoting something from the book of Leviticus. How many of you guys have read the whole book of Leviticus? Anybody? A couple of you guys. How was it? So Leviticus has a lot of rules, okay? If I was to summarize it. There's a lot of rules. Read the book of Leviticus. You'll get a gold, gold star. So there's a lot of rules for Israel that was meant to do what? Set them apart as a nation. Because all the other nations, they worshipped all these pagan gods. They had child sacrifice. They had all this crazy stuff. So God set these boundaries, these guidelines for Israel to be set apart to look different from the other nations. Why? He says, because I am your God. Because I am holy. So, when we seek holiness, what we're doing is we're recognizing that God is our God. Because God said, you're going to be holy, you're going to be set apart from the other nations, because you do not worship the gods of the other nations. You worship me. If you start to worship the other gods of the other nations, you're going to start to look like the other nations. If you worship the gods of our culture, your life is going to look like our culture. But if you worship the God of the Bible, your life will reflect him in his glory and his kingly reign. So in your life, do you reflect the gods of our culture or do you reflect the true God of the universe? Are you set apart? And if not, do you want to be set apart? First Peter chapter one, verse 17 through 19 says this. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Last point tonight is that you are ransomed to live a holy life. You are ransomed to live a holy life. Let's talk about that word ransom. When I was a kid, I was afraid of getting kidnapped. Has anybody ever been afraid of getting kidnapped, like, ever in your life? Maybe a couple of you guys. So you hear stories or, like, uh, you know, you ever seen, like, the movie Taken, where the girl gets taken or whatever? I don't know. I don't know what it was in my brain, but when I was, like, little, you know, definitely younger than 10, I was afraid of getting kidnapped. I had my lightsaber to protect me. I had my nightlight or whatever. I don't know. I don't know what my deal was. I grew out of it. But... It's not fun to get kidnapped, probably, right? It's not fun. Because you get kidnapped, and sometimes what they do is they ask for what? A ransom. 
your captor asks your parents or whoever it is to pay a ransom to get you back. This verse here says that Jesus ransomed us. But what did he ransom? Go back to the verse right here. What did Jesus ransom us from? It's not her fault. The computer lags. There we go. <laughs> so it says, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. He's talking about sin. Futile means something that, that's perishable. Futile is something that, that just it's like chasing after the wind. It's useless. It's pointless. It's meaningless. That's what sin is. And we inherit it. It's passed down from generation to generation because we all sin. So we had to be ransomed from our sin. But here's what's weird about this. Our relationship with sin, sin is our captor. These futile ways are our captor. It becomes like the Stockholm Syndrome. You guys know what that is? So the Stockholm Syndrome is this thing that happens. It happens in abusive relationships. It happens sometimes when someone uh, gets kidnapped. It's this thing that happens when an abuser or a captor takes a person, takes a person and captures them and in order for that person to be able to cope with what's happened to them, the evil that has happened to them, they start to develop feelings and affection for their captor. You guys might think that sounds crazy, but this is a way that people psychologically, it's a proven psychological thing you can look up. Stockholm Syndrome. People become attached to their captor. They become loyal to their captor as a way of coping with the situation that they're in. And you know what? That's us in sin. We become captive to the sin in our life. And we love our captor. This thing that's keeping us in chains. This thing that time and time again we mess up and we know it hurts us, but there's still part of us that loves our captor and returns to our captor again and again and again. And the Bible says, look, Jesus came to ransom you from your captor. Jesus came to set you free from that. So don't love that anymore. Wake up. Wake up and look at the gospel. The price has been paid. The price for your ransom has been paid. And the price, you know, when, if you get a ransom, somebody pays money. But it says we weren't purchased with money like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Jesus has ransomed us from our futile ways with his precious blood. Has he ransomed you? Tonight, are, are you in love with your captor? Or do you want to be set free? Do you want to open your eyes to what God has for you, what God has for your life? Do you want to be holy? Do you want to be different? Do you want to be set apart and live out the gospel, live out your image, trade in the, the slavery for the royalty? You can have that. And the first way you have that is by putting your faith in Christ. Because he paid that ransom and you trust in the ransom that he paid for you on the cross. And you turn from your sins and you follow after him. That's what, we're, that's what it's all about. And so if you want to do that, please at any time talk to one of our leaders. That's literally the whole reason why we're here. Let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you that you have ransomed us through the cross. You've risen from the grave, God. That you enable us to be holy like you are to reflect your image. God, we pray that we'd be prepared, that we'd be sober-minded, that we'd look to the hope that we have in Christ no matter what happens in our life. Pray for any student tonight, God, that they just don't feel holy right now. 
that they know that they can be that. That they don't have to love their captor. They can trade in, they can trade in the chains for a crown. God, I pray that you give them the boldness and courage to do that, to talk to somebody about that, Lord. I pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Cool.